0: Good morning, everyone. How are you today? How are you today? Good, I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, for those of you who have not met me, my name is Kenneth. I'm one uh, of the pastors here in SMAC, and I'm glad to be with you today. Here in SMAC, we have been uh, doing the series on the Gospel of Mark, we started on Chapter 8. And if you keep the Bible open to where uh, it was when the New Testament was read to you in Chapter 9, That's the passage that we'll be going through today. Would you join me in prayer as I ask God for his help to understand his word. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Father, we come before you this morning to receive the food of your holy word. Father, we ask that by your spirit you may please take your truth, and planted deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Despair. According to the Oxford Dictionary, despair is the complete loss or absence of hope. Do you remember the last time you were in despair? When you have abandoned all possible hope. There is nothing you could do that could make things better. Nothing that you could do that could turn things around. Despite your power and influence, despite your strength and wealth, despite whatever, your wits, your looks, your friends, your titles, despite everything, You were left desperate and helpless. Despair is a familiar place, isn't it? Most of us have been there at one time or another. Some more recent than others, some more frequent than others, and of course, some more desperate than others. But you have been there. The first century war, the war that Jesus Christ stepped into, is a war in despair. It would have been very obvious from his streets, and to give us a glimpse of this desperate war, the Gospel of Mark recorded for us twelve such desperate real people and the stories. In today's passage, Mark chapter nine, we encounter two of these desperate suppliants. Sorry, there are twelve different. they are twelve minor characters. And these 12 minor characters have come to be known by Christians as the suppliers. They are there to give us a slice of the life of the 1st century world. In chapter 1, we met a man with an unclean spirit, a woman with a fever, a leper in his uncleanness. In chapter 2, we have the paralyzed man who needs to be carried by four other men. In chapter 3, we have a man with abnormally dry and shrunken hand. In chapter 5, we have a demon-possessed man who lived in the cemetery. We have a synagogue official by the name of Jairus, whose 12-year-old daughter was dying and eventually died. There was a woman who was bleeding all her life, who spent all her money on medical treatment, and yet no signs of recovery. Chapter 7, there was a Greek woman whose daughter was troubled by a demon. A deaf man with a speech impediment, Chapter eight, there was a blind man who lived in Bethsaida, and chapter ten, another blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. Can you imagine such a world? This is the first-century world that Jesus Christ stepped into. What kind of world is it? Well, these twelve suppliants illustrate to us that it is a world under the shadow of death. It is a world confronted with mortality. In today's passage, Mark chapter 9, we will encounter two of these desperate suppliants. There was a father, and then there was his son. Of all the suppliants that we meet in Mark, this father and son pair received the most airtime. Mark was the most detailed and the most explicit in describing the predicament that this pair is facing in their life. It is as if Mark wanted to make sure that you and I know Just how bad, how desperate, how dire, how hopeless the situation was for them back then. Take a look with me. The despairing situation was explained in verses 16 to 18. Verse 16. And Jesus asked the disciples, What are you arguing with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. The father was in despair because of the son's sufferings. The demon has been causing his son to go into some kind of epileptic feats, and he has lost his speech. And what made the situation even more desperate was the fact that the helpless father has asked for help. In fact, he has approached Jesus' disciples, whom we know has been casting out demons and healing the sick in chapter 6. But the disciples were not able to cast out this demon. The father remained desperate. Next, the despairing situation recounted by the father came to life. And it was experienced by all who were present. At this point, the father's despair was no longer just theoretical and distant. But it became real and happening right in front of live audience. Verse 20. And they brought the boy to Jesus. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Notice how Mark repeated the condition and symptoms of the boy in such vivid, visually dramatic fashion. Just to drive home to us how desperate the situation was, the boy was left struggling on the ground. The boy was left, let me start again. Just to drive home to us how desperate the situation was, the boy was left struggling on the ground, foaming and grinding his teeth and becoming rigid. And yet, no one could do anything to help at all, probably just standing and panicking and watching helplessly. The situation did not get better. In fact, it was enhanced or heightened or became more bleak. When the father revealed more information about the boy's condition, verse 21, 21, And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And he has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. For many times in the past, this boy could have died. From childhood, the demon demon constantly seeked to destroy him, to kill him. His father never knew if the son would survive another attack. The father was utterly helpless and desperate. Verse 22, he pleaded with Jesus. But if you can do anything have compassion on us, and help us. And then in verse 25, his desperation exploded. The Father's greatest fear was realized. His despair climaxed. Verse 25 says, And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuilt the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing the boy terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them say he is dead. The struggling boy on the floor finally stopped moving completely. The disciples had failed to cast out the demons, and now, although Jesus succeeded, in the process he realized the father's greatest fear. The boy seemed to have been killed. Demon is out, but the son is dead. He was like a corpse. They say he is dead. Imagine for a little while the flood of despair that overwhelmed the father at this point. After all those years, the demon eventually won. The father finally resigned unwillingly to the reality that, like everyone else, his son also lived under the shadow of death. Like everyone else, his son is confronted with mortality. What kind of world is the first century that Jesus stepped into? Well, this father and son pair, together with the other 11 suppliants in Mark, shows us that it is a world under the shadow of death. It is a world confronted with mortality. Well, that is the first century world. How about our world, the 21st century world that you lived in in the past week? the 21st century world that you worked and breathed in. Think about the places that you have travelled to last week, locally and globally. Think about the different people, the different faces that you met, in the office, on the streets, on the trains and at home. What kind of world did you see? What kind of world do you live in? Was it a world in despair? A world under the shadow of death? A world confronted with mortality, sometimes it doesn't seem like that, isn't it? And obviously we don't like to think so, isn't it? And the rest of the world is doing a pretty good job to help us not to think so as well. I was in Singapore last week and I was reading through the Straits Times. I managed to get through 18 pages before spotting the first death. When I finished 30 pages of top news and war news, total count of articles on death was only two. Friends, be very careful. Death today is sanitized. It takes place in institutions far away from the flow of daily life. But you and I know, don't we? Death is closer to home than we like. Within this congregation alone, you and I know of real people with real faces, with real testimonies to the despair that death has brought to us, even within the last one year. Friends, nothing in this world drives one to desperation and helplessness and despair more than death, because death is inescapable. No matter how, no matter what power or what influence or wits or titles or foresights you have, in the face of death, like the suppliants in Mark, you are left as helpless, you are left as powerless to do anything at all. Well, I hope we have moved a step closer to identifying with the suppliants in Mark, feeling the hopelessness and the helplessness that they felt. In the first century. Because we feel it too. In the 21st century. So now let us turn and read. The episode. Starting from verse 26 again. 26. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly. The spirit came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said. He is dead. But. Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. The double reference to death that we see, he was like a corpse and they say he is dead, is now neutralized by a double reference to the restoration to life. Jesus lifted him up and he arose. The father and son's despair is now exterminated. He is restored to life and the demon will never enter him again. This episode demonstrated for us Jesus' ability to do what no other man could do. What the disciples disciples were not able to do, what they were not strong enough to do, Jesus stepped up and proved once again that he is the only strong man who can bind Satan and overcome death. In the face of hopelessness, under the shadow of death, only Jesus and Jesus alone could address their mortality and bring them the hope of new life. And in light of the cross, as we read the rest of the gospel, we will discover that this little episode here in chapter 9, on the defeat of the demonic spirit, on the defeat of death and resurrection, it only served to prefigure jesus's final defeat over satan and death at the cross through his own death and resurrection the focus of this entire episode is on what jesus alone can do no mere man can break satan's power to to deafen to dehumanize and to ultimately kill people only jesus can and there's more to this episode As we go back now to the verses that I've skipped earlier, if you notice that, we'll see that there's more that we'll learn about what Jesus has revealed about himself. Verse 21. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Did you find that strange as the story was read to you? For in verse 19, Jesus said, bring him the boy. And then verse 20, when the Spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. What would you have expected to happen next? Well, I would have expected Jesus, please get on with the exorcism, isn't it? Please relieve the poor boy of his suffering, and the poor father of his despair. The boy is having another attack, wrestling terribly on the floor. And what did Jesus do? He delayed the exorcism and started a conversation with the Father. What is going on? Friends, this conversation that Jesus has with the Father reveals something very crucial. That Jesus understood that we don't. So let's take a look. Verse 21. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and he has has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help. My unbelief. There is a greater, a deeper predicament that the father should be despaired about, more than his son's muteness and deafness, more than anything else in his life. In fact, this predicament was so serious that Jesus delayed the exorcism in order to deal with the issue. So, what was it? The predicament was that the Father was spiritually deaf to who Jesus is. The Father is spiritually deaf to who Jesus is. Along with the entire faithless generation of Israel, the Father had deeply seated unbelief in him. In verse 23, Jesus emphatically repeated what the Father said in order to point out the heart of his predicament if you can if you can the father was spiritually deaf to who jesus is and what he can do friends this is a very crucial point that mark is trying to make to us here concerning the father's true despair concerning the father's ultimate predicament so let me show you from the wider context of mark how Mark is hammering to us these important points. In chapter 9, remember that we had the transfiguration, isn't it? What was, what was that all about? Well, the point there was the kingdom of God is very, very, very near. There is only one last thing that needs to happen before the kingdom finally breaks in. The son of man must suffer Then He will rise from the dead. And then He will return in glory, just as the disciples have seen and witnessed in the transfiguration, Jesus in His glory. Jesus in His glory will come. So everyone, listen to Him. Listen to all His teaching. Very straightforward, isn't it? God said, Jesus will bring in the kingdom of God very soon. He will come in glory as you have seen on the mountain. So everyone, Listen to God's king. Listen. Very straightforward. But one problem one major problem. Do you know what problem that is? In light of today's passage? The problem is man all men is deaf. God say, listen to my son, but man is deaf. <laughs> As we have seen in the Father and Son episode, man is rendered deaf by Satan. This kind, this kind of demon possession depicted in this episode is a picture of every man's fundamental captivity to Satan from birth, causing unbelieving deafness to God's word, leading to death and hell if we are not redeemed. Friends, can you... See what God is saying to us in this episode. Do you see what Mark is saying about mankind's greatest need? Mankind's greatest despair and predicament. What is that? Is that we are deaf. Deaf to God's word. Mark is not challenging us today, asking, Are you desperate? Are you despair? Do you need Jesus to rescue you? I don't think that's the challenge. Rather, Mark is saying, you are desperate. You are helpless. You are hopeless. Your situation is dire. And you cannot even see and admit that. And you are totally deaf to God. Like the Father, you can only cry, therefore, for mercy. We can only say, i believe help me with my unbelief all we can do is to cry for mercy for ourselves and for others trusting not in the fact that we believe but in jesus's ability to help us even when we do not believe jesus's power the power to heal the power to raise the dead is the same power that can cure our unbelief. We cannot make ourselves able to listen to Jesus, even by putting effort into believing. But we can only admit the inadequacy of our belief, and that we are wholly dependent on Jesus, and Jesus alone, for his undeserved mercy. In other words, the only thing that we can do is pray. For we rely utterly utterly on a divine, external mercy to intervene and to help us. Let us pray. Our great God of, high and, of highest heaven, we have been blinded by our sin and we have no ears to hear your voice. We did not know your love and we had no taste of heaven's joy. But Father, we thank you for your intervention. We thank you for your spirit that gave us life, that opened up your word to us, that through the gospel of your Son, you gave us endless hope and peace. So Father, we pray that you may please help us with our unbelief every day of our lives, open our eyes and soften our hearts, that we may see again and again who Jesus is, your chosen King, who died on the cross for our sins, who was raised to life, conquered death, and defeated sin. We pray, Father, that your Spirit will continue to work in our hearts every day and keep our eyes focused on the cross, relying and depending on the cross alone.